Please be seated. Good morning. So since graduating from seminary just a few months ago, one of the questions I've received the most has been, what was your favorite class? What was your favorite class? And it is with very little hesitation that I quickly reply, church history. You see, if you, like me, enjoy reading uh, juicy, juicy drama, if you enjoy uh, binging adventure tales like Game of Thrones, which is sometimes very gruesome and violent and incredible, uh, but can also bring you to tears, if you enjoy tales with kings and queens conspiring with impious popes, with ferocious beasts and tiny twists of fate which can crumble empires, then I think you would also like church history. <laughs> it has all those things. And there is perhaps no character in church history that more embodies this stranger-than-fiction narrative than St. Francis of Assisi, the saint we celebrate this first Sunday in October and whose love for creation calls us to hold a blessing of the animals, which we had at 9 a.m. this morning. So this past week in revisiting the life and ministry of Francis as I prepared for this sermon, I was struck by the sheer number of outrageous and uh, unbelievable stories that surround this Italian monk who lived a thousand years ago. And truly, I could preach on Francis every Sunday for the next month, and I would still not cover all the profound and moving events of his life, which changed the course of the church and the way that we pray today. I struggled on which story I should share with you today. I'd pick one. There were so many options. Do I preach on the story of how in 1220, Francis reportedly tamed a man-eating wolf by miraculously talking to it, by taking the wolf's massive paw in his hands and swearing the wolf to a life of peace with humans? Or do I tell the story how Francis lived in a dungeon underneath the neighboring town of Perugia for a year as a prisoner of war, perhaps instilling within him a deep desire for peace? Or do I preach about the peak of his transformation from wealthy merchant playboy to uh, impoverished monk and how he stripped himself in front of the bishop in half the town of Assisi and renounced his titles, his worldly possessions, stripped himself naked in front of the bishop. I wonder how Bishop Jose would like that if it were to happen in this church today. I could go on and on about the stories of Francis. They are shocking and outrageous and powerful, and there are many to choose from, and I encourage you today to go home and do some research afterwards because I know that you'll be fascinated by what you find about the life of this saint. And there is so much to him. There is a complexity to this character from our church past. He's, it's far more than just this saint who lives in our church gardens and resides on our front lawns. There's much more than that. But there's one particular story that I want to share with you today. It's a truly mystical story about Francis that is especially relevant to us in 2021 as we gather as a church 
in the shadow of a pandemic, in the shadow of endless wars, in the shadow of turmoil and transition. And that is the story of St. Francis and the crucifix of San Damiano. Let's go back in time. It was 1202, the turn of the century, and Francis had just renounced his titles and possessions in that stunning, revealing fashion that I just mentioned a few moments ago. And not long after, Francis came upon a crumbling old church just outside of the hilltop town, his home, Assisi. Now the church's walls were cracked at the foundations and there were holes in the roof and water dripped from the rotting timbers and the heavy wooden doors, they creaked on angry and rusty shrilling hinges. Francis pushed his way into the sanctuary, into the dark foreboding halls. But Francis wasn't concerned and he wasn't scared by this church in the woods. Instead, he was transfixed. He was captivated as he walked down the aisle and he saw the large Byzantine crucifix which hung just above the altar. And the crucifix looked like this. It's a little show and tell time. And I'll have this for you after the service. You can see it. This is the crucifix of San Damiano. And it's still in Assisi today should you go and visit it. So Francis approaches the altar. He sees this beautiful crucifix hanging in the, uh, in, the, in the sanctuary, and he approaches it, and he can't take his eyes off of it. It beckons to him. And legend has it that as Francis knelt down beneath this crucifix, Christ on the cross bent down to him and spoke to Francis, saying, Francis, rebuild my church. Francis, rebuild my church. And so Francis, that's exactly what he did. He, he rebuilt the church. Brick by brick, Francis began to rebuild this tiny, dilapidated little church in the woods. He begged for money from people in town. He shored up the foundations himself. He patched the roof. He rebuilt the church. But just as he was putting on the finishing touches of this, this rebuilding of this construction, just as he was finishing the last minute details, Francis realized that he had gotten it wrong. Christ's revelation to him from the cross of San Damiano wasn't about repairing physical structures of the church. It wasn't about pews or windows or repairing holes and roofs. It was about the body of Christ, the real church, which at that time, as it is now, is threatened by forces on all sides which would seek to pull it apart or turn it against itself. Forces which would have the church forget our mandate to walk and live as Christ did, to love one another, to spread the good news of the gospel. After this realization, Francis would spend the rest of his life not in pursuit of the physical, or the material, but in the tangible simplicity of God, which is free and which is all around us. The face of God, which greets us in one another, our neighbors, nature, in our beloved animals, the face of God in the poor and the hungry, the destitute, the face of God found in all creation, brother, son, and sister moon. That is the church which Francis 
sought to rebuild. The church which sees all in God's creation as interconnected and essential and beloved. In the past few weeks here, uh, as I've been serving as your curate, I have found that among the many members of our parish, both young and old, there is a theme which continues to pop up. And these are feelings of isolation and grief and, and a, a general theme of disconnectedness. Some feel like the pandemic and its fallout threatens to sever their relationship with the body of Christ here at All Souls. And this just isn't exclusive to our community. There are churches all over the country, pastors all over the country, feeling this disconnectedness, churches feeling this disconnectedness. Members of the church are sitting on the sidelines, waiting and watching, reevaluating how to participate in this faith again, how to reevaluate, they're reevaluating how to participate in their church again, and in the reconciling work that needs to happen in the face of trauma. But it is in the face of this trauma and in this waiting and in the doubt and in the hesitation that we, like Francis, must heed a very similar call today from the cross. Rebuild the church. Each of us in our own way must do our part to rebuild the church. How will you help? What role will you play? The gospel today from Matthew is a clear invitation to discipleship. It's a really clear invitation to rebuild the church. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Jesus is saying, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. In Eugene Peterson's The Message, a contemporary translation of the Bible, the translation we use sometimes on our Bible studies on Wednesdays, the passage goes a little bit further, a little deeper. Jesus elaborates by inviting disciples to come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace. And so perhaps we start there. In our efforts to rebuild the church in 2021, maybe we start there. We start with walking as Christ did, working as Christ did, with compassion, with charity, and with boldness with unforced rhythms of grace that would have us pray for and forgive our enemies, those we might see as dangerous as man-eating wolves in the countryside, unforced rhythms of grace that would have us strip ourselves naked of material possessions that would hinder our relationship with each other and with God, unforced rhythms of grace that might have us look at one another through the lens of creation through the lens of our animals, our pets, which often exhibit Christ-like behavior better than any human ever could. Now, we had our pets out front at nine 
Um, but maybe you're still carrying some of your pet with you in your heart. You have a picture on your phone. Just take a minute and hold that pet in your thoughts. Maybe look at that picture on your phone. What if we saw each other the way that pets saw us, as our animals saw us? These animals that we are blessed with, they are the face of God, beaming with radiant light, bursting with unconditional love and gratitude. Maybe that's how we start. Maybe that's how we rebuild the church, by looking at each other with that grace. Now, I know that's vague. It's broad. I know it is. It's a start, though. What would such grace look like to you? And how would that grace function in your life? Maybe it's a phone call to a friend or a family member that you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe it's extending an invitation to lunch or coffee or a long walk outside to a member of our community who's feeling disconnected or isolated. How will you rebuild the church? I offer you no easy answers today on that. But as you sit here, I'd wager that you probably feel, you probably already know where you might begin. So as you set off on this journey to rebuild the church in 2021, I offer you this blueprint, a checklist, a prayer from St. Francis, that mystical architect who sought to rebuild the church all those years ago and who beckons us on this feast day in the first week of October to do the same. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Siblings in Christ, rebuild the church. Our community, our world, our souls, which are so weary and carrying such heavy burdens demands nothing less. Amen.